Um, we are starting on uh, next Sunday, we are also starting our 21 days of prayer. So I encourage you guys, this is an opportunity. Uh, I invite you in to be intentional during this time. You go, Brandon, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. Why are we doing 21 days of prayer in August? Well, we're doing 21 days in August to kind of, it's a natural time in which we're going to kind of reset everything, right? I mean, we've, we've gone through the summertime. We've gotten out of our routines and out of our schedule with the summertime. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, and kind of work to reset that. And 21 days of prayer is going to be how we do that. So I encourage you guys, I encourage you guys to be praying intentionally for something, okay? Take the next week and figure out, you know, who, what am I going to pray for intentionally? And then I want to challenge you if you're a Jesus follower in the room. If you follow Christ, I'm going to issue you a challenge. I want you for 21 days starting next Sunday to pray for somebody in your circle that you know needs Jesus. For 21 days straight, it's not, it's, I know that seems like, oh, that's so many, so, so much, but it's, it's really not, especially when you can, when I, I'm going to teach on prayer today, so you guys should be able to pray after that. So with that, we will get started. Rachel, is the computer kind of turning out on us all together? The internet. Okay. All right, anyway, so I'll just get started. My opener involved... The projector. Anyway, <laughs> dag nabbit. All right, well, that just means that, that, that this is going to be really good. It's going to help somebody. That's why Satan's against it. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so today we're wrapping up our series, That's a Good Question, and we're, we've answered so many different questions that you guys have had, that you guys have submitted online, and, and I really enjoyed doing this. So um, since we had so much engagement, we'll probably do something similar to this next year around the summertime to let everybody kind of throw some of those questions out, and then we'll answer some of those. But today, our topic that we're talking about is something that if quite a few people have asked, and it's about the idea of prayer. It's about the idea of prayer. And, and I'll be completely honest with you guys. Prayer has always been tough for me because I have ADHD, okay? The idea of sitting in one spot and praying the way that you think about prayer is very, very tough for me. Some of you, I envy you, that can just sit still. That's great. That's phenomenal. I, in the Marine Corps, I would lose... I would go up on meritorious boards and I would lose the board. This is where you go up to be promoted ahead of your peers. I would lose the board because I would wiggle in my chair and they would say I had no discipline. So I'm that guy, right? I'm that guy that can't sit still sometimes. And you could tell by my children that run all over the place, right? Can't sit still. Um, in fact, prayer's just kind of always been a challenge at times uh, because of so many different reasons. In fact, show of hands real quick. We can, we can make it interactive. Who here ad admits that prayer is kind of tough, tough for them? Okay, everybody didn't raise your hand. You're on the prayer team starting next Sunday. <laughs> we love you. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you, not us. So, um, but if we're honest, prayer is hard because it's not physical, right? It's easier. If we're honest, reading the Bible is a little easier. You just get up and you read. Your kind of attention is on something. So it's easier. If we're honest, there's times that it can be boring, right? I mean, can I say that up here? I don't know. I did. Um, that it can, be, it can be boring. There's moments that it seems inconsequential because the question becomes, you know, if I'm going to pray... What happens when I pray, and I've been praying a specific way, but then what I've been praying for doesn't happen, and then it feels like maybe God's not even listening. It feels like maybe he's not paying attention at all, because that is the tension that develops when we think about and we talk about prayer, is 
that, that idea of, of does it actually and honestly work? And today I'm going to argue, I'm going to argue that prayer does work and it's something that everyone should be doing. Everybody, especially if you're a Jesus follower, it's an expectation, okay? If you're not a Jesus follower, I challenge you to just set aside some time in which you would enter into a time of prayer because it is going to benefit you regardless. But if you're a Jesus follower, it's important that we do this. But the question that I've heard a few different times all across the time that I've been in the church is this question right here. How do I pray? How do I pray? Do I pray? I mean, come on. I don't know how to pray. Lucky for us, we weren't the only ones to have that question. Believe it or not, Jesus or his disciples, they had that question too. And they would say, you know, I don't know how to pray. How do we do that? In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Jesus' most famous sermon, he covers the topic of prayer because it was something and it was a question that many people had and it was a concern that many people were trying to figure it out. Because he starts, what's very interesting when he, Jesus starts talking about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't start with step one. That's not how he starts it. He actually starts with, this is how you should not pray. He says, so this is how you should not pray. So I'm going to try to make it as incredibly practical today and give you some handles for this because I know prayer can be hard. And I believe that we it's not a lack of wanting to pray. I don't think any of us that follow Jesus sit around and go, I don't want to pray. I think many of us sit around and go, look, Brandon, it's just kind of hard to do. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to accomplish. So as we get started today, I want you to break open your Bibles, pull out your phones because you ain't going to get it here today, okay? <laughs> So pull out your Bibles, pull out your phones. If you have your phones, you can download the YouVersion app. Okay, you can download the YouVersion app, and that'll open up the Bible for you. And you can follow along in the Bible, because I want you to be able to follow along with the Scriptures. I want you to follow along with what we're doing. So I'm going to give you a second. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to give you a second to go there since we don't have the screen. And when you're there, somebody say word when you found Matthew chapter 6. Word, right? I know, right? <laughs> Teresa over here like, they got thunder fingers. Did you see that? They moved so fast. That was unbelievable. All right, when you're there, say word. word. All right, word of the Lord. So we are going to start Matthew chapter 6. Verse 5, verse 5. And remember, he's starting to talk about prayer right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He's answering the concerns that the disciples and everybody else has. And as he's doing this, he starts this way, which if, you know what, if I'm going to teach a class on prayer, I'm probably not going to start the way Jesus does. But that's why he's the master teacher, is because he knows exactly where to go. He starts and he says, and when you pray, the implication being that you should pray. The implication being that you are going to pray. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, they have received their reward in full. Now, you've met people this way before. You've met these people. These are people that are part of your life group. These are people who, in your life group, when you guys gather once a week, they, they raise their hand to pray every single week. 
You know, it's like, oh, who wants to pray? And they raise their hand. And then when they get the opportunity to pray, they pray in the King James Version of the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? They, they have the, they're a little bit over the top with things. Or they're the people in the restaurant that when they begin to pray, they kind of elevate their voice a little bit so everybody in the restaurant knows they're praying. You guys have been around people like, don't look, don't, don't, don't look around. All right? Don't look around. Don't nudge anybody, okay, everybody up here. But there are people, not in our church, at the 9 o'clock, not here, not at the 11, at the 9 o'clock. Some of you are like, there's a 9 o'clock? Not yet. But <laughs> the, the thing is, is that, that we know these people. We know these people, we interact with these people, and Jesus says, you know those people. Those people that pray that way, uh, that prayer is kind of a um, performance, those people, their prayer has already been heard. And it's not by God. There's a sense in which the prayer, when they're praying just so that people see them, he says they've already received their reward. The adoration and the compliments they're going to get for how they pray, how loud they pray, the words they choose, Jesus says that's the reward they're going to get. It's almost as if he's saying their heavenly father doesn't hear those types of prayers. And that makes all of us a little bit uncomfortable. He continues with how we are, he, the, the implication of that. He says, so, but when you pray, again, the implication, you should pray, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, because prayer is not a performance. Prayer is personal. It's not a performance. It's personal. And we're going to see Jesus model that in just a few verses, but it is not a performance. It's not a performance at all. And when Jesus says this, to go in to close the door, go into your place, right, what he's saying is you don't necessarily have to have a prayer closet. Some people do have a prayer closet. I, I go to my office because it is so hard to pray with three kids running around the house. Somebody say amen. amen. It is hard, and I have to get up before everybody else and, and pray because if not, I'm not going to be able to think anything, right? So I, it, the point is, Jesus is making, is you have to make it a priority. You have to be intentional with it. That's what he's saying. When it comes to prayer, notice he didn't give a length. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, go in the closet for five minutes. He didn't say, go into your prayer closet and bind up the devil for 10 minutes. Like, he didn't say that. He said, when you do it, just make sure you're very intentional about it. In fact, I say it this way, make it a priority. Make prayer a priority in your life, and you will begin to see God move in your life. I often hear that, um, Brandon, I, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to pray. Well, the... Craig Rochelle makes the argument, and I agree with him, that you, if that's how you feel, then you do not have time not to pray. That if you feel that busy, then you actually should pray. And here's another thing that, I, that I'll say. In fact, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. So look, look, look to your neighbor. Look to your neighbor and tell him, say, hey, pastor loves you, and it's going to be Okay. But you make time for things that matter. You make time for things that matter. You make time for your kid's soccer camp this summer. You make time to make sure that you get to the, all of the school events. You make time for vacation. You make time for college visits. You make time for things that are important to you. 
You make time for the TV show that only comes on on Tuesday evening, so you don't plan anything on Tuesday evenings because that is when that is when Grey's Anatomy is on and Dr. McDreamy's on, and I got to pay attention, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only time I got an amen out of that corner. <laughs> but but you make time, gentlemen. You make time for football Sunday afternoons. Some of y'all will stop coming to the 11 because it messes with your 1 o'clock game. I only say, see, don't do that, Pastor Medlin. The only thing I say is you make time for things that are important to you. So if prayer is really important and a relationship with your Heavenly Father is important, the phrase that I don't have time to pray, I don't know if it fits anymore. And... In fact, the next time you begin to say something like that, next time it comes to your mind, let's just, let's just, just be honest with yourself. And then when you're honest with yourself, you'll begin to change a little bit. You just be honest with yourself and say, it's just not important enough. It's just not important enough. Because that's the truth. And here's the thing, here, here's, here's the thing too. Um, that's true with church also. If you don't place a priority on it, don't be shocked when your children walk away from the faith. They never saw their parents place a priority on it. Don't be shocked. The the, the church is is here as long as people show up and, and support it and are part of it. But it'll go away. The church as an entirety will go away the minute people stop engaging with it. And again, you make time for things that matter to you. You make time for things that are important. All right, I'm done meddling. Back to Jesus. Like, Lord, Brandon, stop talking about this. Give me Jesus. Okay, I'll give you Jesus. Don't know if you like what he's going to say either. Okay, so talking from him. Anyway, and when you pray, again, the implication that you should pray. When you pray, he says, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, he says. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. When it comes to prayer, I want you to remember this. Just speak plainly. Speak plainly. When you sit down to talk to God, I want you to imagine you're sitting at a kitchen table the same way you would talk to your dad or to your mom or to your husband or to your wife or to your friend. I want you to imagine a conversation with God just being that simple. Sure, there's moments when you need to recognize that you're approaching the throne of glory and things of that nature. Yes, absolutely true. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't have to impress him with your words. God is not waiting in heaven talking to his angels saying, hey, he's got to say the right word. I'm telling you, he starts breaking out the these, those, and those, and Michael, it's you, dude, that is you. He's not sitting in heaven saying, mm, Brandon, you didn't, use, didn't use a big enough word there. Brandon, you didn't pray long enough. Oh, I mean, I really don't, you know, you really, the vocabulary was off. You need a better word for that. He doesn't do that at all. In fact, you don't have to impress God. I'm going to free you from something right now. I don't know what you carried in here from your previous church experience, but you do not have to impress your Heavenly Father. You don't have to impress Him at all. 
In fact, he loved you before you could ever do anything for him, before you were ever building the kingdom of heaven, before you were even believing in his son. He loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die for you. So next time you're in your prayer time, you don't have to prove a thing. You don't have to prove a thing. You're not trying to to impress him in any way, shape, or form because it's simply about building the relationship. If you really want to impress God, you really want to impress God? You guys want to know how to impress God? Yes, Yes, thank you. One. Okay, I'll tell you. Here you go, Chris. This is what it is. Impress him with your honesty, okay? The rest of you guys don't listen. Don't do that, okay? I'm just kidding. You want to impress God? Impress him with your honesty. Come to him with the problems that are really bothering you. Come to him with the things that you wrestle with and leave the shame somewhere else because there's no space for shame at the throne of glory. There's just not. The blood of Jesus covers and protects and presses all that away. So when you bring it, you don't have to bring it. In fact, I imagine he brings it and Jesus is like, just let go, come on, stop, put it down. Just show up and have an honest conversation. Do not go babbling on like the pagans. If you have a five-minute prayer... Dog, you got a five minute prayer. If you got a 50 minute prayer, you got a 50 minute prayer. It's not like he sits, sits in heaven and goes, Oh man, that dude prayed for 50 minutes. Oh, I'm answering that one. <laughs> that one's getting answered. The eight minute, mm, should have made it to 10. Sorry. Like, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Because in this entire section, Jesus never puts a time limit. What Jesus consistently places on it is authenticity of the prayer. So when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the pagans. Do not do it for performance and do not do it to try to get people to get your attention. Don't do it to try to impress God. Do it to further and deepen your relationship with him. That's the purpose of prayer. So Jesus then demonstrates, okay, Jesus goes on and demonstrates this. He demonstrates this Next, in the next section of Scripture that you guys see in your Bibles, verses 9 through 13, I'm going to read straight through the whole thing, and then we're going to go through and unpack it, and then I'm going to give you some handles, okay? So, this then is how you should pray, Jesus says, which for all of you that are wondering, how do I pray? Here it is. Take notes. Highlight it in your Bible. This is, for those of you that follow Jesus, this is how your Lord and Savior, this is how the King of everything says you should pray. So make sure that you highlight this. If there's one thing that should be highlighted in your Bible, it's John 3.16 and this, okay? It needs to be these things because he tells us how to do it. He makes it so simple for us. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, let's break this down. Some of you had to memorize that in the King James Version of the Bible. I can still say it. I tried it earlier this week. I was like, I wonder if I could still do that. It's still in there. It's still in there. So, hey, um, and I'm just going to throw this out there just for a second since your kids are in the room and everything else. Maybe it would behoove you to have your kids memorize the Lord's Prayer. Because when it all else fails, at least they remember our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 
it might behoove you to teach your children that. If nothing else, the prayer of Jesus is at least worth a little bit of memorization. Anyway, again, I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Verse 9, Jesus says, this then how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. You're not even going to get through the whole sentence without stopping here. We need to recognize that God invites you. He invites you to address him as Heavenly Father. Notice he doesn't say, you got to come up and address him as King. That's not necessarily a wrong way to do it. He doesn't ask you to come up and address him as your majesty. He doesn't come up and and expect you to address him as the almighty or the all-powerful, the God of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. He doesn't, those aren't wrong, but that's not how Jesus shows us to do it. Jesus says, when you pray, you call him Father. Father. And you should pause, and we should all pause at least a little bit and recognize that the creator of the entire universe invites us, little old me, to come to the throne of glory and not address him as your majesty, but say, Father. Because, again, prayer is personal, not performance, and it's personal, not formal. Remember, we're at a table, we're sitting on one side. Mom, dad, brother, sister, somebody, they're sitting on the other side. When you have a conversation with your heavenly father, that's how you should think about it. Think about it as you have a table, and God has invited you to the table. So when you begin to pray, hey, father. So he continues, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is where we stop and acknowledge who we are speaking to. We stop and acknowledge that he is holy. That's what the word hallowed means. Well, we take hold of the fact that the God that created everything is inviting you to be in communication with him and inviting you into relationship with him. It changes the dynamic. Here's the best part. He invites you in regardless of what you did. Regardless of what's in your past. Notice Jesus didn't say, only some of you start our Father in heaven. <laughs> Hallowed be your name. He, he didn't say that. He said, this is how you should pray. Remember, Sermon on the Mount. Everybody's there. Everybody's there. Tons of people. And he says, this is how you should pray. Don't care your background. Don't care what you've been through. Don't care the mess that you are. Don't care what kind of bags you've been carrying around. I don't care what happened to you before. I don't care what you did before. I want you to approach the throne of glory, he says, and recognize that the creator of everything, the author and and sustainer of life, invites you to come and address him as Father. And when we recognize that, it changes a little bit about us. You need to remember this about God. He is both infinite and intimate. He is infinite. We can't understand him at times. There's things he does and ways he functions that we can't explain or even begin to understand. But he's also intimate enough to invite us to address him, his father. He says, Jesus continues in verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Hold on, God. Wait a second. What about my kingdom? I have a kingdom I'm trying to build here, Lord. What about my kingdom? I have things that I want to do. And this is going to be uncomfortable for some of us. What I'm about to say is going to be uncomfortable. It's probably not any different than what I've already done today, so you're welcome. So everybody, deep breath in, deep breath out. Now that you spit all over the person in front of you, it's not about you. This Christian life, this Christian walk is not about you. I don't know what you've been fed before. I don't know what kind of stuff you've been watching on TV or what kind of preachers you watch on YouTube, but you will read that book cover to cover and you will find out it is all about Jesus and God's redemptive work in the world. It is not about you. That doesn't mean God doesn't care about you. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. That doesn't mean God is intimately involved in your plans and your day-to-day. But here's what you got to realize. This is why Jesus put it in his prayer. Is God's will is better than yours. Let's pray. Let's, let's do this real quick. If we really believe that God is the God that we sing about, right? That God is the cornerstone. We believe that. We believe in amazing grace, right? We believe that he can turn graves into gardens, right? We believe that he is way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, right? We believe that. So then why would you not want his will to come to pass in your life? I mean, if, if we believe, and this is for the Jesus followers in the room, so if you're not one, you can watch them squirm real bad. But if you're a Jesus follower... Why wouldn't you want that? I mean, if you really believe that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the author and sustainer of life, why wouldn't we, we, we want what he wants? I mean, he's so much bigger. He's so much more infinite. He sees things from the beginning to the end, and he understands the entirety of the process. So if we really believe the God that we say we sing about, why wouldn't we want that? I mean, I think we would. Because this is the truth of it, and you should, you should write this down. This is, this, is, this is profound. I sat and I thought about this for a while, and then it just came to me. So this is, this is, this is good. God's way is always better. Didn't take me very long to come up with that. God's way is always better. You may think your way is good. God's way is better. Not saying your way is not good. It might be good. It might be real good. But God's way is going to be better. And when your way and God's way kind of marry up, that's called a divine flow. You're functioning in his will and functioning in what he has going on for you. So when you pray, make sure that there's a level of submission that happens. You're not a salesperson trying to get God on your side, trying to get him to buy your car. He continues... He says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, again, invites us to ask for the thing that we spend the most time on, which is provision and protection. Those are things we pray for. But if we're honest, we start the prayer there sometimes, don't we? We start the prayer there. We don't necessarily spend a lot of time anywhere else. We kind of just start there. God, I need. God, I want. God, I desire. And then after that, that's the end of the conversation. 
Now, if you're trying to build a relationship with your Heavenly Father and that's the only way you pray, there's a reason why it doesn't feel right. There's a reason why you don't have any traction in that relationship. Because if I showed up to Leah and I only spoke to Leah when I needed something, if I only spoke to her when I needed something, if all we said was when we talked about how we were going to get the kids from point A to point B, I only talked to her about dinner, or I only talked to her about what our plans were for the weekend, or I only talked to her when I needed something from her, then that relationship wouldn't go very good. You have friends like that, don't you, that only talk to you when they need something. And that relationship, not what it used to be. Your situation with your Heavenly Father is not any different. If all you do is talk to Him when you need something, it's not that He doesn't love you. It's not even that He won't give it to you. It's just the relationship is not going to develop. It's not going to grow. It's, it's not going to change you. Because all you're doing is making it a one-way conversation. Prayer becomes a monologue. That's not what we want either. And then notice Jesus slips something in. He says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And then in verse 14, if you have your Bibles, you can see he expands on that a little bit. He expands on that. And this is the part that makes everybody uncomfortable. This is the part that makes it should make every one of us just flat out uncomfortable because he says, for if you forgive, meaning it's all in the same, the same thought. So he gives the Lord's prayer, this then how you should pray. For, meaning it's connecting to, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And every one of us should be uncomfortable. But what about John 3.16? I want to hold on to my unforgiveness. I want, to, I want to be forgiven by God, and I want to never give any of it away. I don't want to forgive anybody else, but I want to be forgiven, though. Right? And Jesus is demonstrating, he's saying this to demonstrate something. He's saying this to demonstrate the Christian ethic that permeates all of Christianity because it starts here. And it's the idea of forgiving other people. And we all sit back and we go, okay, Jesus, we need you to expand on that last, that last sentence. Okay, we need you to really expand on it. So if you go to the next verse, he doesn't. He just talks about fasting after that. He doesn't spend, it's like, okay, mic drop. Jesus, hold on. You can't leave us that way. The point is, is that it's part of the Christian ethic, the ethic of forgiveness. And we see it starting with Jesus here, and then it covers the rest of the New Testament. That this is an expectation as a Jesus follower. And he uses this example with his heavenly father as, as to show us how important it really is. Refusing to forgive somebody is, and the reason it's, it's so important to forgive people, and the reason why Jesus places so much emphasis on it, and the reason that he included it in the prayer, is because when you refuse to forgive somebody, you're building up bad things inside of you. You're, build, you're building up, it's like a, it's like a toxicity that's, that's rising to the top, and before you know it, you're all out of balance. You've met people like this before that won't forgive. You, you probably have them in your life. Maybe you went through a season of life where you refused to forgive, and you were frustrated, and you were angry. You maybe even 
crept into a place of hatred at times. And, and, and when you do that, then all that happens is, is it hurts you. And not only does it hurt you, but it never stays inside of you because your, your actions don't happen in a vacuum. It hurts those around you. It hurts your husband. It hurts your wife. It hurts your kids. You don't recognize it, but when you hold on to unforgiveness and you won't forgive somebody, all that bitterness pours out over the top, and you don't recognize it, but it hurts your kids. It hurts your work relationships. It's why Jesus places such an emphasis on it time and time again. And it's why he puts so much emphasis on it. It's why Paul talks about it. And it's why they all hearken back to Jesus. They all go, hey, just so you know, you should forgive just as Christ, our Savior, is the way Paul says it, forgave us. Because it's so, so important. So when you pray... Make sure that you hit a place where you're forgiving those beforehand. The question is, well, how many times do I need to forgive them? Is it like three? Like three strikes you're out? Is it like baseball, Brandon? Is there a mercy rule, right? Can we get to like seven and then that's it? We're done. We're calling the game. We're not playing anymore. Like how, how does that work? Uh, what is the amount? Because surely there's got to be an amount, right? Peter thought the same thing. Peter asks later in, in Matthew's gospel, Peter asked Jesus probably the same thing we ask when it comes to forgiveness. He asked the same thing. He says, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? How many times, Jesus? What's the magic number? And then Peter throws out a number. Seven, because it's the holy number, right? I've got to get this one right. And Peter throws it out. Seven? Seven's a good number. I can keep track of seven. Yeah, I got, I got seven, Jesus. Seven? Jesus says, mm, I tell you, not seven times, 77 times. The implication being that you are to forgive, period. That's the end of it. Not I'm, I'm supposed to forgive seven times or eight times or nine times. The implication Jesus gives is no, 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 infinite times. You forgive infinite times. Now, notice what he, he doesn't say, and it doesn't mean that you have to expose yourself to a dangerous situation again. That's not what he says. That's not at all the implication. The implication is not that you put yourself into a relationship that's hurtful to you. It's not what it says. That's not what he means. In fact, he even talks the opposite at times. He doesn't talk about getting yourself and putting yourself into completely unhealthy situations. It's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, and this is the way I understand it, it means that you have cleared the debt you think they owe you. When it comes to unforgiveness and forgiving people, a lot of times we feel like they owe me. They hurt me. And so they owe me something. And when somebody would ask you, what do they owe you? You're like, I don't know. Something. <laughs> well, what would it be? I don't know. But I'm tired of it, okay? What forgiving is, is not placing yourself back in that relationship where you're going to be hurt that way again. Forgiving is not exposing yourself to a dangerous situation. Forgiving is sitting back and saying, look, there's a debt that's owed there in this relationship because of the damage that you've done, and I've cleared the debt. You owe me nothing. It is zeroed out. And it's in that moment, that's when we have truly forgiven. So 
Again, the question is, Brandon, how do I pray? You, you did a great exegetical uh, sermon or, or message on, on the Lord's Prayer, but what does that mean? So I'm going to teach you real quick. I had slides, not now, so you get to write them down. Lucky for you, there's a note card and a pen in front of every one of your chairs. And if you don't have one, you can raise one and John will get you one, okay? So when you, I want you to write this down. This is important. This is a simple system that incorporates everything in the Lord's Prayer that he has, that, that he put in there, and gets us to a place that's easy to remember, okay? Because I need handles. I don't know about you, about you guys, but I need handles. I need something I can hold on to. And lucky for you, I spent nine years in the Marine Corps, so it's an acronym, and I love those, okay? So the acronym is PRAY, P-R-A-Y. The first thing that I want you to do when you sit down, and you can just sit down, and this is a simple process. If prayer is hard for you, then this is a simple process, and I've been using this for years, for years. So it starts with P, and that's for praise. It all starts with praise. If you want your prayers to go further and deepen your relationship with God, remember how we talked about in the beginning, he said, our Father, hallowed be thy name, right? When he says that, if you write down and you say it starts with praise, you start there. You start, and it can be something so simple. Don't overthink it. Remember, we're speaking plainly. We're not like the pagans babbling on. It can be something so, so simple. Something like, Lord, I'm just grateful for you today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for another day in your creation. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that everybody made it home safe last night. God, I'm so grateful for the, for the salvation I have in Jesus. Thank you for inviting me to sit at your table and pray here today. It doesn't have to be some big crazy thing. Nobody's asking you to write a psalm, okay? Just... Start there. Start there. The second one is a word that we don't like, and it's repent. Now, when, we, when you write repent, it's important to recognize that this is that part where you start asking for God's forgiveness. And let me clear something up real quick. You do not need to ask God's forgiveness every night for everything you did wrong that day, because if you go to bed and you die, you go to hell. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. I don't know if, if you grew, I grew up that way. I grew up that way thinking that I needed to, say, to pray for forgiveness at night, and if I forgot something that I did, or if I forgot a sin, and I died, I was going to be with the devil, okay? So that's not true. That's not true at all. The blood of Jesus covers you from start to finish. Somebody say amen. amen. That is true. What this does in this section, this repent section, it's where you pretty much take an inventory real quick, and you're centering your heart on the things that maybe didn't go well today and the things you wish you would have done over. It could be something simply like, you know what, Lord, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't treat my coworker very good. What I said was not, wasn't Christ-like. What I said actually just caused more damage to my wife than good. And Lord, I'm sorry that I hurt your daughter that way. And I pray that, that you would help me become better tomorrow. Help me, Lord, figure out ways to do that. That way, you're not writing off those things, but it's front and center, and you're spending time with God about those things that you want to better yourself and be closer to Him. The third one, the A, that's the ask. 
That's where you're going to then go into the area of protection and provision. That's where you're going to ask, Lord, I need the promotion. Lord, I need to be accepted to the college. Lord, I need more money. Lord, I need, Lord, I need. This is your Lord, I need section. Put right next to it, Lord, I need, right? Lord, I need. That's your Lord, I need section. And then the why is yield. I want you to take everything you just prayed. Now, remember, this can happen in, in five minutes, not, not long. This can happen over five minutes. This can happen over 50 minutes. doesn't matter. The important part is, is that it happens. Now, this yield section, this is the part when you've pray it, prayed it all, you have it all down, you frame it all up, and then I want you to envision you're sitting at the table, right? We're all sitting at the table. God's at the other end of the table. Like I said, I have a Jack Jesus. I don't know what your Jesus looks like. Mine on the other side, big arms, big traps, right? <laughs> and I slide, okay, you want to imagine taking that and sliding those prayers to him. Okay, now you do what you will with it. And I'm okay because God, you're the God that I sing about. You're the God that I pray to. You're the God that I've seen and experienced in my life. God, I'm good with whatever you decide to do with that. And that's one of the hardest, if not the hardest part. But it's sliding it to the end of the table and saying, God, whatever your will is, if it's yours and your will, I want that. And then the last thing you have to remember to do is to forgive any offense that happened that day. Forgive any offense that happened that day. So somebody cut you off in traffic, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, hey, that's okay. Forgive them. Don't give them the bird. Don't point them to Jesus, okay? <laughs> Don't point them to Jesus. Forgive them, okay? If something happens, your boss really ticked you off at work, and you're just really angry, and you're mad, just say, hey, he doesn't owe me anything. The debt is cleared. I forgive him. Because then it sets your heart in a place to hear from God, because you're not eating up with bitterness and hatred. So last week I finished with a challenge for you when it came to prayer. I challenged you in prayer. I said, or with the Bible, I said, read five more minutes, read five more minutes than you did last time. Read five more minutes than you have been. I want to challenge you to pray five more minutes. If you don't pray at all, take this card that you just wrote everything down. Take that card. I want you to take it home, put it somewhere where you're going to see it or on your drive or wherever, and just start praying that way. And it doesn't, it does not have to be a big, long prayer. You don't have to have scripture memorized to do it. You don't have to have big words memorized to do it. It's not that at all. And I want you to think of it this way. Every morning, God sits at the table and waits for you to sit on the other side. He's right there waiting for you on the other side saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Ready to have the conversation? I'm waiting right there. It can come anytime. It's available for you. So this week, and then as we start the 21 days of prayer next Sunday, okay, be intentional with it. Take all the notes that you had from this message, and I want you to make it intentional. And then take that little card. If you don't have a process or you don't have a system for prayer, take that little bit and apply it. You're going to praise him for who he is first and foremost because he deserves it. You're going to repent of the things that you've done that are not good and not good for you and those around you. 
You're going to ask for His provision and protection, and then ultimately you're going to yield all of it to Him for His glory. And then the last thing you're going to do is forgive any offense that, is, that has happened to you that day. Five minutes. Five minutes to change your life. Add five minutes to whatever you're doing now. If you're doing five minutes, go ten. If you're doing 50 minutes, you get 55 minutes in prayer now. And you will be blessed. So I encourage you, five more minutes than what you were doing last week. So, with that, I would love to pray for you.